What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Parent Network Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Ashley Ace. Let's get the preliminaries out of the way. Listen, y'all, season three has been very packed with some amazing men sharing their stories, sharing their lives. And today is not going to be any different on this episode. I am graced to have Pastor Greg McNair. Listen, y'all, when I say he's like a walking Bible, he's literally like the walking Bible, but he is very human. And that is one thing that I appreciate about him. But before we get into the conversation with Greg McNair Jr., um, I just want to make sure that you all are subscribed to the podcast, that you're downloading it on all platforms that is Spotify, Apple, and Google Google Podcasts, something like that. Y'all don't hold me to it, but if you Google it, it will come up. Also, starting in December, the Parent Network membership will be open to all parents. So as you've heard throughout the season, um, season one, season two, and now in season three, Mom's Lounge has pivoted to the Parent Network membership where we are opening this thing up to dads as well. And so I am excited, y'all, for what 2024 is going to bring in the parenting space as far as resources, connections, community, and healing. But that is the preliminary. So now we're going to get into this conversation with our guest on the podcast. I am just going to allow him to introduce himself and we're going to roll with this conversation. Welcome, Pastor Greg, to the podcast. What's up, double A, Ashley? (laughs) That's the first time I gave you that nickname today. I guess it's a great day to start. But uh, my name is Greg McNair Jr. I'm honored. Thank you for having me, Ashley. I'm greatly honored and appreciative for the opportunity to be able to connect with you and share with you and, and your listening audience, watching audience. And so I'm Greg McNair Jr. Uh, I'm the husband of one wife. Uh, we just celebrated 15 years. Woo! Yeah. And so just on the hand, on the heels of a great another anniversary, uh, happily married. Uh, we've been through the storm and the rain. We've been through hell and back. But we've made it to this part, and it's not uh, only only by the grace of God. And then, you know, three amazing kids, and uh, they're 22, 19, and 17. Uh, Devin, two boys and one girl, Devin, Deshaun, and Deja. They are amazing individuals, and so I've been able to be a part of their life for the good chunk of their life, actually. Um, and so we are actually a blended family, which we'll probably get into later on, but uh, um, I have no kids of my own. Um, uh, and I can say that legitimately. <laughs> I have no kids of my own. <laughs> I have no offspring uh, at all. Uh, but these three have been like just that. They are my offspring. Uh, may not, they may not have my DNA uh, by virtue of bloodline, but they have my DNA by virtue of habits and ideals and ideologies, heart posture. And so it's just been great to be able to be a part of their journey. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm just glad to be able to share today. Thank you for having me again, Ashley. I'm super excited for our conversation. (laughs) I love the fact that he said, listen, legitimately, okay, nobody can knock on my door and say, hey, you are my father, because that's the thing, y'all, okay? And we've talked about that in previous episodes, that when, when the man... 
you know, spills the seed and it's in the word, you know, things, things happen. But (laughs) as he has introduced himself, y'all, we're just going to get into this conversation. So, you know, Greg, can you kind of just talk to us about what your upbringing was like, what your childhood was like and how that, um, pivoted you into your role of manhood and then we'll step into the fatherhood nature in a minute. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in a big family, both my mom and dad's side. I'm born and raised in Virginia, um, native of, of North, born in Norfolk, Virginia, and lived in cities called Chesapeake and Virginia Beach, Virginia, which Virginia Beach is known across the country as a nice tourist location for many people across the world to come to. Uh, but grew up, you know, a big family in church, heavily in church, music, sports. Uh, and my family I always say you're either a preacher, musician, athlete. A police officer or a school teacher. <laughs> if you haven't tapped into all five of those at some level, <laughs> um, and so I've kind of tapped into all five of those at some level. Really, I live that's my live life. Um, I'm the oldest. Well, let's say it like this: my mother and father were married for ten years. Um, we were once again all in the church. My grandfather's my first pastor. He's the reason why I'm preaching today. Um, I've been preaching for 34 years. I accepted my call at about seven years old, roughly, and preached my first message. But then, you know, we grew up, you know, playing drums in church at six, you know, at a young age, and then migrated to the keyboard organ about 12, 10, 11, 12 years old. But we grew up in a big family. Like I said, my mom and dad were married for 10 years. Uh, and then in right after the 10th anniversary, which was July 4th of 1991, is when they... Uh, there were some things that led up to that point, not necessarily infidelity per se, but just some very, I guess you could say, irreconcilable issues. Absolutely. That they couldn't get through. And interesting, I say this real quick. Actually, I had a dream. Now, this is, this is not, not, you understand the supernatural talk, but I had a dream the year before they would tell my brother and I that they would no longer be married. They decided to get a divorce. I had a dream the year before because my dad worked at this place called Newport News, which is a city in Virginia shipyard shipbuilding and so he worked at welder electrician and to this day he's a amazing electrician kind of got his own business and everything but nonetheless i had a dream that um we were my brother my mother and myself all met at the dock of the shipyard mm-hmm. my dad you know this ship and he was going away didn't know what that meant but i knew it meant something it was so real to me actually that i woke up the next morning which i think that was like a saturday and i found myself I mean, I was crying, visibly shaking, and trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And I shared that dream, and I just told my parents, I said, I don't want y'all to get divorced. This is a whole year before. Wow. Now. I don't want y'all to get divorced. They were, there were some spats and some serious heated arguments and things I saw that my brother didn't get to see in their argument stages <laughs> in the last few years of their marriage as we were kind of getting older, going towards eight, nine, ten years old. And so... Um, you know, next, you know, the next year they decided, you know, that they couldn't do this anymore. Uh, I love that. I'm going to pause you right there because like you said, you know, understanding how God works and the preparation that was literally happening with you, God was preparing you for what was to come, even though you didn't have language for it in that moment. And I want to just say this y'all, um, because y'all know we're going to talk about the Lord on this podcast, period, that it's important um even if number one you were not raised in the church god 
marks our children specifically. And I've said this in previous podcasts that it's so important that we understand um, who they are. Mm -hmm. And even if we don't have language for them, bringing them around individuals or even asking God like, hey, you know, well, what does this mean? Like show both of us what this means. And so I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because it's so important um, in the life of just raising children to be able to identify what's within them. Because throughout scripture, we know, um, I believe it was with Eli, where he was laying down and Samuel was hearing somebody calling his name. And that has been an experience for my youngest son. He was like, you know, yes, mom. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not calling it. And it happened three times. And I'm that second time. I said, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> I know what this is. So, so parents, you know, just be sensitive. Be sensitive to your children um, talking to you about things that are unseen because the supernatural realm is a real realm, whether it is used for the enemy or whether it is used for the work of the Lord to listen literally intently to what's going on. Okay, I'm done with my speech. Go ahead, Craig. <laughs> That's good because you charged me to say, you know, kind of ahead of the story, and, um, but you charged me to say, saying that ignorance is not an excuse. So yes. There, you, you, God's giving you this grace to be able to understand and foster and develop and build and curate a space within your kid and for your kid or children, if there's more than one, to provide them a safe place and a safe space for them to grow and develop and to be matured. And so therefore, you not understanding the nuances of what they're experiencing is not a good enough excuse for you not to foster what they're sharing with you. If they're sharing it with you, it's real to them. And if it's real to them, it should be real to you. If it's real to them, Mm -hmm. it should be real to you supernatural occurrences that didn't spark me (laughs) supernatural occurrences is a thing in this household in this home and um i remember oh this is probably around 2020 maybe 2021 where caleb had started dreaming but his dreams they would be consecutive dreams but they always consisted of spiders and so i was like okay hold on okay let me dig into this let me figure out what this means because again as you said it's real to them. It needs to be real to us. And ignorance is not an excuse. This is why we are in the age of technology, the good Google. And then if you have community leaning into them, hey, you know, I'm not gifted in this area. or I don't understand what this means. So can yes. you give me some insight and knowledge? And so what I told him, I said, I want you to tell me exactly what you remember from the dream. I recorded him speaking about what he saw. And then I said, OK, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look it up. We're going to look in the scripture. I had bought a dreams book um, just for, you know, my own knowledge. And so we started to research these things, y'all, and really understanding that that web of the spider, it is something from the enemy and looking at it from that perspective and then gathering scriptures, I began to give him a language to pray. So that way, when this thing tried to occur, in his dream space, because again, this is where generally the enemy would try to come to rob children of their innocence in their imagination is through the dream realm. 
And yes. so I began to give him some language. I said, this is what we're going to pray. First of all, we're going to pray it now. We'll wait. Yeah. And then when we get ready to go to bed, I want you to pray it again. You're probably not going to remember all of the words. That's okay. But we're going to hit it together. And so learning to cultivate that within him, just a model of prayer is so important because these children, they experience things, y'all, that we probably won't experience because right. of their innocence. Because yep. they are open, because mm -hmm. what they see, they are going to believe it. And so it is important. Again, even if you are a non-believer, okay? I want y'all to hear me good on this. Even I'll if you're a non-believer in Jesus, if your child is coming to you and saying that they seen something that was a, a, a natural life size or whatever it is they saw in their dreams, don't take it lightly. Do not take it likely. For me yeah. and my household, you know, we're praying before we go to bed. They have been, both of my kids have been going to sleep with just instrumental worship music for years to where when Caleb spends the night out, he's like, oh, can you turn this on? He asked his uncle that one time. He said, can you turn us to worship music? Because this is how I go to bed. Now, the oldest one, you know, he's in that teenage phase and he's like, all right, mom. Yeah, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And I asked him, like, you know, did you pray before he was there? I did. I, well, I don't hear you. I don't hear you. But again, not so much as pressuring them, but just setting the atmosphere, setting the tone, because the seeds that we sow into them, we are going to see a harvest from it. So again, that's my station break. Take it back. <laughs> okay, you're trying to change into something. Anyway, listen, this is why it's important to say their Bible talks about writing this on the tablet of the hearts of the next generation, making sure that they are, especially from the perspective of a Christian believer, uh, you walk in by the Spirit because it helps them. That's why the Bible talks about in Psalm 119, um, between verse 9 and verse 11, um, talks about that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. That word hid in that particular passage of scripture is the Hebrew word that means treasure. That means you hold it to a high and lofty esteem as a treasure spot. And so, especially for your kids, it's very imperative to continue to indoctrinate them because the, uh, the scripture goes on to say that I might not sin against God. And that word sin, really the base root of sin is independent thinking from God, living your life outside the scope outside of the spectrum of heaven of what God has already said and prescribed in his word. So that's why it's very imperative that you honor where your kids are and provide them with solution-driven responses as to how they're to navigate through whatever they're seeing and experiencing and feeling. And that's why it's important that parents should not find themselves arguing in front of their kids and, and, and spewing hatred, hate, hate rhetoric uh, about the other spouse, even if you are a single parent. You should not, your kid should Talk not about know. it. They should not be exposed or made privy to the inner workings of your heart towards your ex spouse or your ex partner because what it does, it breeds a space. Oh, okay, it breeds a space for confusion. Yes. And it breeds a space for a convoluting of understanding of their role in the kid's life. Yes. And now you lean into a whole idea of bias and a whole idea of what you want them, a narrative you want to paint. And that just convolutes and contaminates any forward progression and continuum of connectivity and community that your family is supposed to have. Come on, convolutes, continuum, 
connectivity of what the family dynamic is supposed to be. Basically, y'all, okay, I'm going to break it down into the layman's terms for us. Quit acting a fool Come in on, front <laughs> of your kids, with your co-parent, with your spouse, with the person that you had the child with, however you want to spin it. Mm -hmm. It is important. Okay. This mm -hmm. is maturity. Like I said, in the previous podcast, this is the MA audience for mature audiences only. Oh, if you're yeah. ready to mature, you want to really listen in to the wisdom that's being released because it, it, it saves you number one time yeah. and energy, you know, yeah. and this is why it's important that you have to heal because you lay down, you had the baby. Yeah. Now, whether or not the situation worked out in the favor in which you thought it would, that's another story, but it has nothing to do with your child. And so learning to separate the two, um, and we could talk more into that a little bit later, but I want to yeah. bring us back here so he could get back to sharing his story. So yeah. he was raised in Virginia, y'all, as you heard, yeah. you know, he had mm -hmm. this dream a year later, their, your parents got divorced. What did that do to you? Um, how did you take that? What type of emotions were you experiencing during that time? Great question. So that's, it was a Saturday, August 7th, 1991. It, it was, I, I believe it was a Saturday somewhere in between like 11, 12 o'clock. I mean, day. we got the time, y'all. Woo! <laughs> and they called us, they called my brother and I in and they let us know what was going on. My brother proceeds to go berserk. He's two years younger than me. Um, he goes crazy in emotion. Me, I was the more introverted as, for, as relates to how I handle my emotion. I, I, I would cry, yes, on my crying to this day, but I didn't just fly off the handle in the moment. I, I just conserved everything and I, that was not good. And of course, I had to do therapy and counseling years later into my adult life, real talk, mm -hmm. uh, even after being married. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I just kind of held it in and it kind of gave for me a lens as to how we both have viewed and my brother and I have viewed our lives and, and operated our lives. He would be the one, he'll tell you what he's thinking in the moment. Mm -hmm. I would. And in both sides, it can be a good thing and it can be a not so good Absolutely. thing. <laughs> On both sides, being honest and forthright can be good if it's not tapered and tempered in the right tone <laughs> and the timing. You know what I'm saying? But yes. for me, for, for somebody that holds it in, that can be good because you don't just fly off the handle, but it can be bad because now you got all this bitterness and rejection and envy and strife and mm -hmm. anger built up and pent up and then it manifests at the most inopportune time. Down yes. the road. So, uh, so, you know, of course, we go through the whole situation of child custody. You know, I'm eventually my mom and my dad, they both get remarried. My mom got remarried first. My dad got remarried not too long thereafter. Uh, and my mom, we ended up staying with her uh, in Virginia. That was, it was tumultuous because there were some areas for her that she hadn't reconciled. So it manifests in the backlash that my brother and I would receive because of my last name was a reminder of the trauma that she experienced or that she didn't reconcile yet and deal with properly. Now she's much better. But of course, at the time, it was terrible. It was tragic. Right. Uh, so several different things happened. Of course, we were seeing my father on Tuesdays and Thursdays and every other weekends. And we were still going to my grandfather's church, his parents. 
my grandmother and grandfather's church, who were our pastors and whatnot, playing and whatnot. So it was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of contention, uh, you know, and, you know, it wasn't the thing. I never really saw my mom and my dad in our childhood and teenage years be able to have a non-awkward, cordial conversation. Everything was <laughs> And mind you, we're all centered around church in the same church space. Grew up church of God in Christ. So we're all in these jurisdictional functions or church functions, local church, districts, all this stuff. So we saw each other. We want to see each other at some point throughout the course of the year. Post. Even caused a split even with my grandfather's church. After my mom and dad separated, then I saw my mom's side of the family started literally tapering off, leaving my grandfather's church and going to another church not too far in the same city. Uh, so it just created this whole contention. Here we are, my brother and I, seemingly in the middle mm -hmm. of this family split, if you will. And so that was not fun. Uh, but of course, things I saw my brother didn't see. And so, you know, I was I was a little more mature in handling it, but it still bothered me. And I, like I told you moments ago, it took counseling into my 30s, literally, uh, from professional counselors to talk through some stuff from 20 years earlier uh, and how my life had spanned out. And panned out from that point, so it, it was, it was tumultuous. A eh? Ashley, it was crazy, girl. It, it I was, believe it. And then we get new siblings. My mom, my mom remarried to my stepdad, and so we inherit three new brothers. I'm now I'm the oldest of five or then six because they had a baby between them two. Okay. So I'm the oldest son of six here, and then my dad and stepmom. I don't say step, but I, I for the point of emphasis. Mm -hmm. Second mom and second dad. So my second mom and my dad, they remarried August 12th of 95. And then by February of 96, they drove out here to move because she's from Southern California. Okay. And my dad is, of course, we're from Virginia, born and raised. Uh, and so they moved here to Southern California where they've been since February of 96. And they, from their union, two of son and one daughter. So out of all of my siblings, I'm the oldest of eight. Wow. And we'll only have one blood sister in the equation. Uh, so imagine living in a house with six boys with my mom and, and my second father in Virginia. That's a, that's a serious high grocery bill. And my mom was that type of mom. She comes from old school. You know, she can almost hear you when you're walking late at night on break time. Because it's a thing. Get out of the kitchen. What you are, are you doing? You already know. I'll drink my, my coffee. Yeah, you already know. <laughs> Because what are you doing, y'all? Like that just that just triggered me because I will be in my room. It is quiet. And I'll just hear that bad crumbling, you know, just yeah. that and it's just like get out of the you know when the lights go off. That means like kids. Woo! That just cause listen, y'all. Cause listen. Cause listen. But I love how you said that, you know. Throughout that that span of just you know some confusion, you know some hurt, some anger, some pain, your parents um, were able to see like okay he needs to be in some therapy. And y'all know here on this podcast, I advocate for Jesus in therapy. They go hand and hand because we are literally in a body in the earth and we're going to experience things and I was talking to a mentee not too long ago and I told her I said we're going to experience life but what we experience in life does not have to mark us as it being our life yeah. and that the wisdom in that is take yourself to therapy 
talk yes. this thing through, you know, make sure that what you're experiencing in the soulish part of you is not driving the decisions that you make because you're angry, because you're mm -hmm. hurt, because you've dealt with rejection, abandonment, you know, whatever it is. I've shared, you know, my story, y'all, and y'all have heard it in season one, like having that rejection from the womb is a whole beast in itself because you're looking at everything and everybody from a right. lens of you're going to leave me, you know, mm -hmm. and then you come up with this notion of I don't need anyone because how your mindset has shifted. So it is important parents that you, if you have allow for the child to experience any level of trauma, if you yourself have experienced any level of trauma, use the mature route and seek counseling, seek therapy. Yeah. I told both of my kids, y'all are going to therapy. Starting 2024, I don't care what you talk to your therapist about, okay? It, it does not matter to me because it's not my sessions, but I want to make sure that you both have a safe space outside of myself to really just dig into what you are feeling. It is so important, y'all, that we understand, especially in the African-American community, that that whole saying, what happens in the house stays in the house, throw that out of your vocabulary, please. 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 It is it not that. Do it now. Do it like right Ooh. now. Like just unlock that thinking because that breeds so much division. That yeah. breeds so much secrecy. And mm -hmm. fear is literally the root of that thing. When you go into what happens in the house, stays in the house. You don't tell nobody my business. But what if that business needs to be told because it, it's doing something to the child, to you? So y'all, get in therapy. So I love that he said, listen, I've been in therapy, okay, consecutively throughout my, my childhood, adult years, young adult years. It's, it's necessary because a therapist can provide you with insight. They allow you to talk and then they give you insight. They jog your mind, y'all, and cause you to think, why do I think this way? What happened for me to even think the way that I'm thinking? So y'all, get a therapist. I want to say something to that point, and I agree. Right now, be a therapist. Uh, because what you just triggered for me as far as the thought process, just to encourage everybody who will see this, is that our ignorance has become the entertainment for society. And this is what well. I mean. <laughs> well, she talked about secrets moments ago. And this is what happens, that I, what happens in my house stays in my house type concept and understanding. That's the reason why Tyler Perry, for example, has a job. I, I wish I had some drums to hold on. Let me do. I love and honor that man of God because of what he's done and brought awareness to the dysfunction, especially in the African American community. Yes, he's brought awareness for years now, about twenty some odd years now. Believe it or not, but and but the thing is, because we refuse to take the time to get soul help, soul that word soul in the Greek is. And it, your soul houses the seat of your mind, will, emotion, intellect, reason, and capacities. I'm just telling what y'all already know. So just let this be a friendly reminder for all of you that's watching this. Just in case you don't know, you know now. So because of that reality, you know, because we fail to do the soul work necessary, and we keep these secrets in, we give way for self-inflicted embarrassment. Woo! Self-inflicted embarrassment. Yep. And people have now monetized all across this world 
your inability, our inability to tap into the help that we need to get us to the place that we need to be as the most mature as possible for the generations coming thereafter us. This is why the generation coming behind us is having a hellorific, hellified time trying to get their mind, their life, and their act together because of the preceding generations who refuse to deal with the demonized realities in their heart. And they just refuse. So like Ashley said, stop acting a monkey. Stop. Be honest with yourself and put yourself in the best position. We have to do this for the benefit of the generation that's coming after us, or else we will continue to breed contempt, disconnection. We will continue to breed these feelings of angst and anxiety. And and I know mental health is a real thing, folks. I'm, and it's a real thing. Mental aware health awareness is a real right. thing. Mental issues are a real thing. But it was never meant for us to say, "Oh, I got this mental trauma or this mental issue," and to stay there. That's yes. never God's will. That's never God's purpose. Mental health awareness is just that. It's mental health awareness. You're being made aware so you can find solution-driven responses to navigate through the traumas that created triggers because, you know, that's what life does. Life be life in. Listen, y'all. I told y'all this. I told y'all this. I told y'all, okay, this episode was going to be fire because... It's so important. He 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 honed in on something, and y'all know, you know, my 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 psychology mind be it's over here, like ah, yes, yes, yes. He he said something that was so profound, though, that we allow our traumas to be our triggers, and then we allow those triggers to drive us, and that is pure stupidity, and it is ignorance. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, oh, I'm triggered. Oh, I'm triggered. Oh, I'm triggered. As if that is just like the, the new saying for, oh, happy day or something. No, if you are triggered, that means that wound is still there. So to be in therapy, but to still say that you are triggered by something means you need to dig into that space. Otherwise, you need to stop saying it just to connect with someone because then that's a trauma bond. But that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day. So yeah. it is so important, y'all, <laughs> us in this millennial generation, those that are even in the generation prior to us, I believe it's the baby boomer generation, that yeah. as you listen to this, like, do your due diligence to sit with yourself and say, well, what generational curse is still lingering in my life? That I need to hone into an act Holy Spirit to show me how to break this thing. There was yeah. a whole episode that I did, y'all, in season two or season one. You can go back and listen to it concerning generational curses because it's not just enough to know about the generational curses. We need to also know about the generational blessings. So once that thing is broken, what is it that I am now releasing and pioneering in the bloodline so that my children don't have to fight the same demons that my mom fought? My grandmother fought. My great-grandmother fought. Because all of this silence, there was a whole generation dedicated to that. I want y'all to just understand that. How the the world works. God did not ever intend or create for these things to be. So when we come into knowledge, when we come into understanding, it becomes our responsibility. It becomes our responsibility. And I'm never going to stop saying that, y'all. 
Healing becomes your responsibility when you become aware. And the man of God said it, mental health awareness. I tell y'all all the time, my pastor, spiritual mom says, awareness is not this place where you're trying to wholeness, excuse me, is not this place where you're trying to get to. It's a state of awareness. The more aware you are, the more you're able to heal you, the more they're able to dig into it, the more healthy you become. Yeah, so true. So, so as true. you were saying, Pastor Greg. <laughs> and the reason why silence is a problem with God because everything he created came and emanated from him opening his mouth and Ooh, saying something. Oh, that, we, we could, we could, we're, I, I don't even. Can't do this with you, girl. Can't do this with you today. You open up wells, you open up portals today, girl. I'm just telling you. Just you, you already know how it happened. You, yeah. are, you already know it. how it, but that, that's, hmm. Silence is, a problem. silence is a problem with God, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me when I tell you. Silence is a problem with God because it totally counteracts, contradicts, and give, let me give you another nice word. It's the antithesis of how we got here in the first place. Genesis 1. Man. When he saw the chaos of a dysfunctional space called Earth and the world, the system of the world, the way it was structured and set up, he still saw something deep down prophetically inside of this ball of dysfunctionality and disorder. And he said, let there be. The only way everything we now see is what we see is because he said. So if you're remaining to be silent, though you're dealing with dysfunctionality and disorder and disorganization, you are going against one of the major tenets of God's kingdom and his reality. Therefore, you can't get the help. Why? Because I'm going to give you that old adage that we used to say for years. Closed mouths don't get fed. Well, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So God is pushing us out of a place of silence because of trepidation, because of trauma, which develop triggers. He's pushing us out of these places and allowing people like Ashley Ates to set up these types of podcasts, not so she can say she got a whole bunch of followers, not so she can say she got a whole bunch of viewers, Certainly not to try to see how many men she can get. No, she's trying to do this to bring help and awareness to the people at large, regardless of your Christian or non-Christian beliefs. Absolutely. Because the thing, the goal is to see how many people we can see come into a space of maturity that's going to help bring greater maturation for the generation. Once again, I say coming there after us. So if you remain silent, you actually close the opportunity. You close the portal. That word door in the Greek is portal. You close the doors. You close the portals for even the opportunity for, oh my God, for your son, oh my God, and your daughters to experience what Joel chapter two and then Acts chapter two then says. Your sons and your daughter prophesy because of you opening your mouth. Y'all, it, 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 like, I'm, I'm over here really trying to gather my whole self together so this this whole podcast don't just go into just a whole a whole nother realm but it is so important if we could just hone in on it open your mouth ask for help period so get the help. ask for get get the help that you need we are not discounting mental health issues we are not discounting you know emotional issues they are real things but the seat of where that comes from is in the soul and when you allow your soul to be healed i'm telling you the scripture says that you're going to prosper and be in good health as 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 
So if that that soul is not is not healthy, you cannot prosper. And so we're gonna put a pin on that there because this will shift and shift yeah. and shift. And so he was in therapy, y'all. <laughs> he went to therapy. You know, mom, dad, they separated. Dad is now in the state of California. He is still in Virginia. Um, can you kind of just share with us, Pastor Greg, like what that looked like um, as far as communication was concerned with your parents? Did you feel comfortable communicating with them how you felt? Was there any animosity in your heart towards them in those times where literally one is in a whole nother state and now here you are in another state? Yeah, um, the, the first part of the question, the communication, my father never dropped the ball on communication and connectivity. He never dropped the ball on being an example of a real father. I, I can say that unequivocally with total honor and truth. My father is a G. <laughs> and even with him moving clear across the country and starting a family, he did not lose sight on the family that he begun, that he commenced uh, and with his boys here in California. And of course, I just want you to, to emphasize that again, because what I just heard was regardless of separation, mm -hmm. regardless of distance, mm -hmm. regardless of time zone, yeah. there is a responsibility as a man mm -hmm. to make sure that you are communicating and connecting with your seed, regardless yeah. of the outcome relationally with the mother. That, that's what I heard. That's right. Because here's the truth. It's not the seed's responsibility to communicate. It's the the progenitor, the one who calls the seed to come forth. It's his responsibility because that's the teaching tool and the teaching mechanism for his seed to know how to respond in good and bad moments. It's a teachable moment that my father gave us that no matter where I am in the world over, you're going to hear from me you're going to feel my presence even when I'm not physically there. That sounds like somebody we know. If I go down the way, the comforter cannot come. Anyway, so <laughs> so it gave opportunity for us to understand Holy Spirit from the aspect of comforter with the fact that my physical father is not here. So he, he would call us and talk to us every week, especially on Sundays. And so what also happened, he made sure in communication, and even my grandparents had conversations with my mom, and, and to see about continuing the custody days that my father once had while in Virginia at the self same time. So my grandparents would keep us on Tuesdays, bring us back home by 8, 30, 9 o'clock Tuesday night. They would keep, bring us, pick us up on Thursdays, make sure we we're back home. And then every other weekends we stayed with them. But my mom was very kind enough to allow us to still continue going to our grandfather's church and being a part as we have been for all these years. Okay. So that was a good thing that my mom was kind enough to do, and I appreciate her for that. Now, if there was animosity, it was towards my mom in a lot of ways because of how she handled us, and I got to hear things my brother didn't hear based off of my name, specifically me, being Gregory Lamar McNair Jr. I carry the name of the man who she has this wall of emotion with now. And so as a consequence, there was a level of animosity to the point where I tried, back at 14 years old, I, one day, my mom, she just pissed me off to the highest level, and I tried to cuff my mom. No, physically. So I went and tried to lunge in. She was in my room. She was talking, just talking crazy. Now, some of the things she was saying was good because I need to hear it, but this is where the, that, that teenage testosterone starts kicking in, as you know, as a mother of a teenage son. And so I started, so I went to go 
and lunge and pick her up and just I'm gonna throw her on my bed because she was just talking crazy. It went from sensible talking about important things to now you kind of morphing in. I can kind of detect that you're now throwing some shade because of my last name once again. And so I went to go pick her up, but the chick is smart. She has eight other brothers outside of her, five other brothers outside of herself with her, because her, she comes from a family of nine children. And she's like right there in the middle. So, and all of them are police officers and former Marines. Check that out. So yeah. she, she, she got some wisdom. She got a little wisdom. This is the wisdom. Then she put me on game real quick. And so I went to grab her by her legs and she got my neck and sat down on that thing where I couldn't move. So I learned that day, don't ever do that again. <laughs> And then another time, I got so angry because once again, you know, she would say stuff like, you're not like your daddy. I mean, it was very symbolical stuff. And this is in mm-hmm. her own dysfunction. You, you not, you're not like your daddy. She would just say stuff like, I'm like, what the, is going on? And so I just ran down the stairs. She said, you better come back here. This is stuff that's vivid to me. I can tell you this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take me emotionally, once again, because Jesus is in therapy. So, uh, you know, but then I came back in. But eventually over time, it just got to the point where my brother and I decided by the time I turned 16 and four, and my brother was 14, so this is 98, 99, like 1999, we wanted to see about staying with our father for my last couple of years of high school and my brother's going into high school. So we went, the judge ordered, we had to go see the judge a couple of times. The judge talked to us. He ordered, you know, that we go with my dad for six weeks to check out the, the land, you know, mm-hmm. the territory. Mm-hmm. So we did that uh, this summer of 1999. And then we made a decision because that was the purpose of us going to make a decision as to what mm-hmm. we would do. And we would get, you know, that right as kids at that age, 16 and 14, or 15 and 13 going into our 16th and 14th year. Right. So um, long story short, um, we came back. We said we wanted to move with our father. We made that, you know, had that conversation with the judge. He ordered it to be so. And because I felt like, hey, I'm coming into, I'm about to finish high school and be a young man. It's, it's good to be able to spend that time. Right. And my stepmom and my younger brother and sister. And so we end up moving September 10th, Friday, September 10th, 1999. It was the first week of school uh, for the school districts pretty much everywhere for the most part. Mm-hmm. And um, we moved here when that was my 11th grade year of high school. Moved, I mean, clear across the country, almost like a Genesis 12 type thing to a land that you already know. <laughs> <laughs> And so we moved here and then made the adjustments and went into young adulthood. And so it it was, there was animosity, but you know, the Lord helped us with that. But then there was also some other pieces of the equation uh, that really uh, we had to work through, talk through and all that good stuff. So it was an adjustment, actually. I, and for the sake of time, it's definitely compartmentalized. The right, two right, of course. Version. But yeah, you get the gist of it. Of course, that's, that's one of the things um, that I would say that is important um a part of the story is making the decision to say you know what okay i've experienced life with you mom you know in this separation and i can see you still got some things going on with you and your heart and your emotions and your mind that i don't really want to be a part of and because my father is present and active i want to go and stay with him and you know for the sake of time that leaves me to that no, I, I, I didn't want to cut you off. I'm sorry. That's why I just want to say this one quick part. I want to shout out both once again my second mom and second dad because in this decision making, I went to my second, you know, my stepfather, and let him know first. I said, you know, big friend, this is what it is. And he understood, of course. It was devastating for him because he sees me to this day and then as his right. son, older son out of all the sons he has. And so I want to shout both of them out because both of them are amazing 
people and all four of these parentals, I, I, my, my, my vantage points went from seeing it from oh, loss of family to actually I gained family. I gained, mm-hmm. I gained siblings. So my family got even larger, which that's why I'm probably so gregarious today because of that. And, <laughs> Yeah, I just want to add that part. Completely. No, that's good. That's good because it's honor. You know, it's honor. Even in the midst of turmoil, y'all, um, honor still needs to be present. And even in the scripture where it talks about honor your father and mother, like I used to really hate that scripture. No lie, y'all, because yeah. my mom used to try to use that in a twisted format. You know, so you're supposed to honor your father and mother. And so it was, oh, you're supposed to do whatever I say and how I say do it. And that's not what that means. Honor has nothing to do with manipulation. And so the fact that you were able to say, you know what, let me go talk to, you know, my my bonus father and, and let him know how I'm feeling. So that way it's not any, you know, break or tear there from mm-hmm. a, a standpoint of, of the being rude or evil or any of those things. So that's right. honor, y'all. And mm-hmm. the point that I was making when Pastor Greg said, you know, okay, he went and stayed with his father was. I had a conversation with my oldest son's dad. He was in elementary. Our son was in elementary at the time. And he had made a statement and he said, you know, I think, you know, for high school, he should come stay with me. Now, in that moment, in that time, um, it was like, yeah, okay. You know, it was in one ear and out of the other. Because again, this is this is my child here. Like, what, you, what are you talking about? He's a kid. High school is so far away, but he's in the 10th grade now, y'all. And it's like high school is not and was not far away. And with the beginning of this school year, over the summer, I knew, I knew, I, I had a knowing in the bottom of my stomach. I said, this is, this is it, Ashley. The transition is happening. And um, over the summer, he stayed with his father for the whole summer, you know, pretty much the whole summer. And when we had the conversation and I was like, you know, so you know, what are your thoughts on him, you know, staying with you full time and all of this? And he was like, well, you know, this is something that, you know, we talked about before, but we pinned it. And so now I just feel like, you know, he is the time, all of these things. We had the conversation with our son and I cried because it it, it was a, 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 a level of grief. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it's not a full grief, but it's just a level of grief in that, you know, you've had this child all this time and now, you know, they're not under your full-time carriage. And so you have to trust the fact that number one, the person, and this is a teaching moment for y'all, the person that you had this child with is able to be the one to care for them. And they don't have to care for them the way that you do because a mother and a father is very different in the way in which they care for their children. But I said to myself, Ashley, it would be very contradictory of you to sit here and try to argue or figure out a reason why he can't go live with his father. That would be very contradictory of everything that you teach, that you stand for. Get yourself together. You, you're going to be fine. They don't live in Timbuktu. They right. live five minutes from you. Like You're going to be fine. And through this transition, it has really strengthened the relationship that I have with my, my oldest son, you know, we talk, you know, I'm able to listen to a lot of the things that he says, he he's more open, but I wholeheartedly believe that boys and girls need their fathers. So again, y'all, as I've said this on previous podcasts, if that man is involved in his child's life, 
sit yourself down somewhere and allow that father to be a father. Amen. <laughs> so, Pastor Greg, how did this transition impact your manhood? Um, with you moving to be with your father, do you feel that it was a necessary component that you needed to be with your dad to maturate in manhood? Absolutely, without question. While my stepfather is and was amazing, he was twenty. He ended up being a twenty-year retired Navy vet, um, and so there's a lot of things I gleaned there. And just to have that in the house still, amidst all the divorce and, and remarriage, it was a blessing more so than I even thought and realized. But being with my father, the one who gave me DNA, the one who still had a, a, a live voice in my life and my brother's life as well, to be able to sit with him, learn budgeting. Um, and a lot of times I hated and kicked it, kicked back because I didn't stay on top of it. And he was the type of man, oh, let me see your book. And he would do it sometimes randomly. I'm like, oh, shoot, I'll try to fabricate some stuff to try to... <laughs> I couldn't get over on that man. One, because of the Holy Ghost in him and all because also he, he knows the game. <clears throat> but um, yeah, it, it was necessary to learn about budgeting, you know, different components of your car and change the simple stuff, changing tires, you know, knowing how to do it for yourself. If I want to call AAA, and I do sometimes still, they can change it, but I know how to change my own tire. Right. I know what to do. Um, and, and those different manly components, this basic stuff, that's just good basic skills just to help you to navigate through life, the importance of working and being there and being a good husband and being a good father. And so, yes, without question, um, unequivocally, in my transition here, uh, my brother's transition here, although he moved back after he graduated high school. Okay. So he was only here for about four years and I'm still here. <laughs> but it was some things that I needed and to be able to be the present husband and father that I am still not perfect. Still ain't done everything right for right. sure, for certain. but to just be provided with tangible tools and even intangible realities to help me to mature and, like you said, maturate into a better man today at 41 years old and, and be able to handle certain things and uh, have conversations necessary. And to your point earlier, the question you asked, my father in all of this was the person that opened up the space for my brother and I to be able to have candid conversations about where we are. Mm. And, and he opened up the conversation. He he made it possible that. So it was it was just healthy on so many different levels, both spiritually and naturally. So then with your dad being able to give you these tools, let's pivot into marriage and sure. and and your husbandhood and fatherhood. How was that in the beginning and how have you seen it transition to where you are now? Beautiful question. Um, at the beginning, uh, it, it was it, there was bliss there. Um, the whole story of how my wife and I got together is funny. And for the second time, I'll just do it. I compartmentalize like this. Uh, my father-in-law now and myself were in ordination class together uh, under uh, our respective denomination, Church of God in Christ. And we didn't know that. He was preparing to quit because my now mother-in-law uh, was going, there was a lot of personal stuff they were dealing with, you know, with her being in the hospital, sick and whatnot. But that one of the major requirements for passing ordination and becoming elders in our denomination at the time, uh, we had to preach a six minute sermon and present a, we had to present, <laughs> you know about this, Ashley. <laughs> we had to present our outline to the board as they followed us as we preached to our constituents of other preachers that are also catechizing to be elders. 
And so I preached a sermon called here, finished when he started from Philippians chapter one, verse six. And, and, and so it was a powerful message, got raving reviews from both the board and, and the men stood up, applauded, and, and it kind of tapped into a little praise moment. But my father was the first person to critique. My father-in-law was the first person to critique me. And he said, I was coming in to quit today. But because of your message, I'm inspired to finish what I start. So we get connected. He goes home. He tells his wife about it. At the ordination graduation celebration, that service, she is called impromptu. I'm playing the organ. She's impromptu called by the ordination president to sing a song and in the service. And she says, do you know the song I Won't Complain in A-flat? I said, sure. You know, that's a, Everybody knows that song, you know, no matter what church you go to almost. So if you're in the black church, you know I won't complain. So I sung that. It was great. After church, she said, we got to connect. What is your name? I know all the musicians from L.A. Well, I said, I'm not from L.A. I'm actually from Virginia, but I do play in L.A. because of my pastor at the time to L.A. and so on and so forth. And so we got connected. I ended up meeting my wife at a rehearsal for a major conference that the church we were a part of in Riverside always had that people came to from all over called Koinonia, all over the country, the world even. And so I ended up meeting my wife. The first meeting you know, because she was like, if my parents were trying to get me to meet this guy, I don't want no parts of it. She was divorced. She was going through a divorce. She had just separated. That sound like Dr. Z. Mm -mm. Ain't going to do it. <laughs> I'm good. You me with all that, bro. You don't want me to meet him? I don't want to meet him. So we ended up meeting that June of 2007 at a rehearsal at their church, the church I ended up being a part of eventually. Um, and, you know, we didn't hit it off at first, but... At the first day of her custody battle, a custody hearing with the courts and with her ex-husband, um, she comes, she, it was kind of tumultuous, kind of crazy. She was emotional. I asked her, and she would normally do come up to the band because her mom ran the music department of the church. Her brother was the drummer of the church. And so she came up to the band and said, hi, everybody. She said, hey, Greg. And I said, what's up, Monique? How was your day? She said, you really, you, you really want to know? I said, that's why I asked. Well, <laughs> well. We, we ended up having a conversation. She told me about how that went. Next you know, we hit it off uh, and got connected throughout that summer. She gave me her number while at the conference the night that Bishop T.D. Jakes preached <laughs> at the Riverside Convention Center. She gave me her number on the back of her business card because she was a school teacher at the time. <laughs> and uh, we ended up connecting. And by, you know, the following year, we get uh, engaged in, in August the following year. And then October the 12th of 2008, we end up getting married. So the first part of the marriage both my wife and I come from blended families in that her blended is because her father was killed tragically in a car accident uh, by a drunk driver back in 1988 when she's about six years old or seven, somewhere in there. And so I'm blended, you know, because my parents, as we said moments ago, separate and divorce, new family members coming into play, into play. And so this is where we started off with. And so I get to inherit these three amazing kids. Uh, and so because of our experience of being blended and my experience of being blended from the kids perspective, there was a level of understanding I came in with already to help galvanize. But it was rough because, you know, you got baby daddy, you know, everybody, you know, you know, it's like dogs. I'm going to mark my territory. I'm still, you know, I'm still who I am. And so I had to deal. And I'm not that conflicting type person. I, I ain't that guy, you know, right. I'm like, back and let you do what you do. But uh, and sometimes can be a pushover sometimes. That's where I've been before. That's not the case no more. Praise God. So, but, come on, grow. <laughs> growth in the Lord. That's one way I grew. <laughs> I grew in who I was. I grew in my identity. Yes. Through the traversing of life and getting to know and being myself in those moments with the ex-husband and baby daddy and all that stuff. Then, hey, because Devin, our oldest, is not from the same marriage that Deshaun. Right. Okay. From. Devin is from first year of college. You know. Mm -hmm. 
We and do so our then, thing. Things happen. Yeah, things happen. <laughs> you know, and it, that thing happened. And so, um, so with all of these pieces putting together, God already graced me, unbeknownst to me, to yes. be able to navigate through this. But yet, there were some still parts of my manhood that I need to grow up in because there was I, I leaned into failures a lot in my own personal life. I leaned into what I didn't do. I should have finished college. I didn't finish college, and, you know. And we're back and forth. I was, you know, I, I had money because I had I'm working at the church and also mm-hmm. working at Toyota, you know. So I had income coming in both sides, and I was a single man, had my own apartment, had my own car. So these things are working to the point that my mother and father-in-law was like, Greg, you're always out here. Just go ahead and give up your apartment in Rialto, California, and just stay with us. That's before we got married. <laughs> so so it's like... Y'all heard that. He he emphasized that was before, before he got married. I got married, right. <laughs> so but the, the last to, to really answer your questions is it helped to be able to navigate in teaching and training and being a father figure, being grounded in who I am and not trying. I'll always tell the kids, I am not your father. Right. Neither do I ever want to be your father, but I want you to honor your father. Well, right. No matter how often you see them or not. I said, I am an additive to this equation and I'm another father figure just to help facilitate your growth. This is what I was telling them early. And so while we dealt with these teenage inflections in their mm-hmm. hormones and their thought processes, as you know, once again, but this all helped to prepare me to be a good husband to my wife, to support her in these moments, allow her to fly, allow her to be who she is. And she, we watched her match rate from get, having a BA to having two masters and now her doctorate back in 20, April of 2015, being with her through surgeries, being a support system and just being myself and growing in confidence in who I am. I think half my battle, Ashley, was I wasn't confident with who I was because of the traumas that I incurred. Uh, in the years previous. Hence why therapy was necessary and important because it helped me to unpack some stuff that I didn't realize needed to be unpacked. Uh, And it helped me to get to a mental space that would be more beneficial for them because my lack of confidence stifled our family's growth. Ooh. And it was a problem for me and Dr. C. See, listen, that's probably a whole other podcast on how the confidence yeah. of the leader the leader should be the man y'all let's just let me just make sure that that is emphasized there yeah. the leader of the household in yeah. the fact that this person is the one that has the vision cast the vision and us as the women we come alongside to make sure that this vision yeah. is is seen to fruition yeah. when the man lacks the confidence sometimes and I'm going to speak from my perspective of, you know, they have this term of the alpha female. Sometimes that innate nature within us as women to say, you know what, I'm going to do it, yep. takes over. Yep. And then if we're not careful, we begin to emasculate the man because yeah. we notice like you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And that can breed contention and strife and so many things within the dynamic of the relationship that is going to spill into the family. And so, um, Greg, if you could just talk just a little bit to the men about the necessity of building your confidence and being who you are. Yeah, that's a good question. I'll I'll say real quick. Um, It's very important to know that that emasculation piece doesn't always come in conversation, but sometimes it comes in the woman just doing. And because you have not reconciled who you are, you now look to her from a lens of insecurity. 
which now fouls up the connectivity once again and the continuity you're supposed to have with your your partner. As a man, as a man is important because it allows you to know, one, your voice is invaluable. Your experience, your story is invaluable. It has no price tag on it. And you have to fight, literally, because it is a fight. It's a spiritual fight, definitely, bottom line. You have to fight through your own personal insecurities, your own need to be heard, and realize that you bring value to the equation of whatever you are part of, especially to your family. Until you reconcile that, you will forever play catch up. You will forever find yourself in comparison. And comparison is a demon that leaves you in a space, that leaves you in a head space that's just horrible. It's so- <laughs> you say it's a demon, okay? Did y'all hear that emphasis yeah. on that? You hear me? It's a demon, y'all. It's a devil, bro. It's not, it don't play fair. It doesn't. Because here's what you do. You're, you're, I'm going to be very straight up with you all. And Ashley, my sister, she's this type of chick, so I can do this. You will compare your ability to sexually please your wife. You will compare your ability to help provide for your wife. And you will take on the understandings of status quo to know how you're supposed to please your wife, as opposed to what the Lord has sanctioned for you, for yourself first, and then for your couple, your family. Yes. Because how your family goes may not be how another family operates. And so you cannot lean into your own understanding and the understandings of the society and the status quo. So my encouragement, brothers, is for you to find, you got to find yourself. If, if, you're, if you don't argue from a credible, I'm going to say this, it's, it's, it's a line, but let me say this real quick. If you don't argue from a credible source, you're arguing from silence. What does that mean for this? That means you have to find your base in something that's ultra credible, hmm. ultra connective, ultra powerful. Who is that? It's Jesus. I'm going to be honest with you. Everything else is going to pass away. That's it. Money, your networking ability, your educational prowess, what you've been able to accomplish in your life, your athleticism, all that stuff is going to pass away. Because after a while, when you get to a certain age, you're not going to be able to dunk the basketball. You're not going to be able to throw the football as far as you used to do. You're not going to be able to swing for home runs anymore. That's going to pass away. It's going to come a time where people don't want to hear your business pitch. So now you got to be able to realign and readjust and make the connections that you need to make. So you have to depend on something that is a reliable, credible source. And I submit this to you, sir and ma'am. Gentlemen, for me, it was God. It is presently and forever will be. It's God for me. It's Jesus for me. It's Holy Spirit, depending on my identities in him, which helps me to, and I've always said this, but now I'm living this slowly but surely today. My identity is in Christ. It, and and that and I because I've tried everything else. I know it is to be between the legs of several women in the same day. That's not gonna give you. Well <laughs> I know it is. I'm talking about I have to say yes to Jesus and preaching the gospel, unfortunately. Listen, listen, y'all, because it it's a thing. And, and mm-hmm. we just gonna have past grip. We just go we just gonna have him back on the podcast because it, 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 it's right, I'm coming. I'm coming through. There's so much to talk about. You bring so much out. It's so but, much to talk about. It's so much. It's so much. So I just want to encourage the brothers. Get find your identity. I'm gonna say it because that's who I am and that's who Ashley is in Christ. That's, that's it. my charm. Try it for 30 days. If it don't work, you tell Ashley, don't you ever bring that joker back on your podcast <laughs> ever again. I don't want to hear it, see his face, I don't want to hear his voice. Try it for 30 days, putting your life in the hands of Christ, 
following what his book says, just try it and be around a community, like she said earlier, a community of people that will keep you accountable to what this thing says and your connection and collaboration with this thing, with this book. And let me know. Let us know what happens. I guarantee you, you'll see change. You'll see, you're at the very base bar minimum, you'll see, yo, I need to do something different. Well, you'll hear that word come out of your mouth. That's it. That's it. Because it starts with the decision. Everything that we do in this life starts with a decision. Yes. Procrastination is a decision to yes. put something off. Fear is a decision to say, I'm going to stay stuck in this thing because I don't know what the other side is going to be. All yeah. of these things are decision based, y'all. And yeah. we are going to, we're going to end with this, that I was talking to a mentee of mine and I was telling her, she, she was talking about, you know, relationships and we were just discussing some of the things. And I said, there's a, there's a passage in the word where it says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? And what sparked that was understanding that we can allow other people's opinions to, yeah. to sway us from being obedient to God. It is so important, whether you are male or female, that mm -hmm. you are living your life pleasing unto God. And I know for some that are not believers, you're like, you know, well, I don't believe in God, but he is the creator and the maker of all things. So I'm going to give this charge to anyone that is listening. That is just like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I don't know about this, Jesus. I don't know about this God thing. Give it 30 days. Give him the opportunity yes, to love you unconditionally, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I am for sure. We have all tried everything. I have tried it. Greg has tried it. Others that have come through on this podcast have told y'all that they have tried it yep. and it has not worked. When we try to do the things that we want to do, how we want to do it, when we seem right in our own way, the scripture yeah. says it's death. The end of it is death. Yeah. It's death, y'all. And that doesn't mean you're going to go lie down and you're not going to wake up. It's death. It's death in the fact that you are walking around living, but you're dead inside. And so... We've discussed so much on this podcast. We've discussed mental health, emotional health, the need for therapy, the need for God to be the center of your life. And he has told y'all, man, be confident in who you are. And confidence comes through understanding your identity in Christ first. And through that, you're able to carry out and execute everything that you need to in the family space, in, yeah. in the workspace, in the business space, whatever space you find yourself in. And that's for us as women too. We can't find our confidence and our ability in our wiles, in our feminine nature, in what it is that we have. That's not it, y'all. That's not it. Because we've seen a lot of, and we're just going to take it here to the culture, a lot of celebrities now that have said, you know what? I've done all of these things. I've amassed all of these followings, but my soul is still broken. And they are now finding themselves on the path towards righteousness. So I want to say thank you so, so, so much to my guest, Greg McNair Jr. It has been an honor. It has been laughter. It has been a, a, a lot of everything Pastor Greg, let the people know where they can find you, what you are doing. I know you all have some merch, some books that have come out about We Blend. Tell the people that, and I'm also going to link his information, y'all, in today's episode. 
sure thing. So you go to weblend.org, weblend.org, and, and weblend is one word.org, and it allows for you to go and see. We did a 21 day devotional for blended families, single parent families, or whatever family status you may be in. We provide through scripture. Uh, different stories and 21 days of devotion and then the opportunity for you is on it's an ebook at the present time but we're also in the throes of making that thing into a actual handheld book as well but it is an ebook on the website weblend.org that's one aspect we just released a book uh literally days ago entitled my wife can cook i'm trying and you go to that same website weblend.org forward slash store and that allows you to go and see that that book. That book is not just a cookbook uh, where my wife has recipes, but it's recipes from her grandparents uh, and also recipes from our our daughter, Deja. And then with each recipe, there's words of affirmation underneath every recipe to help you in the cooking of your life and your life story. I love that. And so definitely you can go and check that out. Uh, We also have aprons, one that has the Weedman logo. And then also the other has my wife can cook. I'm trying. So if you if you like me, you're a consumer more than a cooker. You can wear that way as you learn how to cook. And these recipes are set up by which you're able to, uh, you know, learn and do the recipes and chart them, chart them well. Uh, so we have those things going on. And we have we just started a Bible study called Our House. And if you want to go on, on Instagram as well, uh, our house underscore our underscore house C.A., um, and that is our site on Instagram. We're, we're creating a space for Bible study for people to come organically. Uh, and we're in the throes of just preparing for some big things uh, in the very near future going into 24. So, yeah, we have these things happening. We do do sessions and seminars and conversations and, and workshops and ministries and nonprofits. We, we have conversations. We do counseling. My wife and I do marriage counseling. And we've seen a lot of marriages salvaged, saved through just us being transparent. Why? Um, Because the bridge between transition and transformation is transparency. And so we wanna make sure that that's in my book submitted where you also can get that book too. That's my very first book I wrote submitted. So it's only six chapters, so it's an easy read, but it's just encouragement. The bridge between transition and transformation is transparency. And so it's an opportunity for you just to hear our hearts. We're not the only one in the race but we do have something to add to the race. Uh, we do have something to add to the fight uh, and to help blended families know how to blend because here's the truth, a statistic, and I'll, I'll give it back to Ashley here, uh, a very staggering statistic, even all the way up to at least 2019, 2020, 2021, is that 50% of marriages, at least 50% of marriages that are blended families end in divorce. So at least half of the people that are been remarried or married into a blended family those families in in catastrophe, if you will. Uh, so we, we want to kind of salvage and, and give everybody the language and provide you with tools and resources you can get to war and wage war against the enemy that will try to tear your family apart. So that is so listen, y'all. There's resources, okay? Y'all are always gonna hear me talking about resources. And I want each person that is a guest on this podcast to be able to share the resource because each and every one of us are a resource for someone else. Our life is a story for others' victories. I'll always say that. Our life is a story for others' victories. So y'all tap in to the McNairs, his wife, Dr. Cassandra. I'm I'm, I'm going to try to have her on the podcast next year. She don't know it yet, but you know. (laughs) 
It's a lot of people that don't know that they're gonna be on this podcast, y'all. But you know, by faith, I'm believing that they're gonna say yes to the call. But this has been an amazing, amazing podcast, y'all. Until next time.